Occasionally, a sermon comes up that doesn't lend itself to a traditional invitation as I normally give. And today's one of those sermons. But I want you to know, the invitation of the Lord is always open. So if there's ever a time that you want to know more about Christ, please don't hesitate to come and ask me. Ask one of our elders. Ask one of our teachers here in the congregation. We'd be glad to share more with you about Jesus Christ. If you feel the need for the church to pray with you today, um, or to take your Savior on in baptism, we want to encourage you to take advantage of that. We are going to be singing a song at the end of the sermon, a song of affirmation. And if you'd like to come forward at that time, please do so. Or if you'd like to simply come to myself, come to Zach, one of our elders, as I said, one of our teachers. We'll be glad to help you, whether you need to be prayed with, or whether you need to come to obedience in Jesus Christ and take him on as your Savior in baptism. Just be aware that that is always a time that is available, and we are always ready to help you in that. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come to you today. We come to you as people who live through the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, without you, we would be dead in our sins. But because of you, because you loved us so much to send your Son, because your Son loved us so much to say, here am I, send me. Here is the body you have given me. Use it to save. Father, we thank you that he was willing to do that, to go to the cross. But Lord, we are so grateful that you did not abandon him in the tomb, but you raised him to life again. And through that, not only did you forgive our sins, but you gave us hope for eternal life. Not eternal life just in heaven but enjoying the blessings, the fruit of that eternal life, even as we live here each day. And Father, we pray that we will truly live as your people, live in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ each and every day of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the uh, mid-20th century, Jean Giono, a French author, wrote a story called The Man Who Planted Trees. You know, every time I read this story, it moves me. It is a fictional account about uh, himself. It's told from his perspective. And about an encounter that he had with a man while hiking in the foothills of the French Alps prior to World War I. The particular region he was hiking through had become desolate due to deforestation and over-farming. He was getting desperate. Uh, everywhere he went, he, he could find no water. The rivers were dry. Uh, the, the springs were dry. Even in the villages that were deserted by this point, there were no wells that he could find water in. About this time, he noticed a shepherd out tending his sheep, and he started to head towards him. The shepherd's name was Eliard Buffet. And he leads Giono to a spring that he knew of, and then he invites him back to his home, and he hosts him for a few days. Elziard was a widower who had also lost his only child. He had moved to this desolate region to find purpose and solitude, and he found both. It was that evening in Bouffier's home that Giono learns 
of the peculiar work that Bouffier was about. After they'd finished their supper and cleared the dishes, Bouffier reached over and grabbed a big burlap sack and he poured out on the table acorns. And he began to sort them and look at them, throwing away the undersized one, throwing away the ones that were cracked and only getting the best. And he counted out 100 acorns. And he put them in another sack and put them aside. The next day, Giono followed Eleazar out as he tended his sheep and as he, using a metal rod, planted all 100 of those acorns as he went about his work. As it turns out, at this point, Eleazar had already planted over 10,000 acorns. One acorn at a time. The story ends with Bouffier's death in 1947. And in the intervening 44 years, he had planted well over 100,000 trees of various species, transforming that region from a wasteland to a healthy ecosystem. The springs and rivers ran again, and people were returning, reclaiming the abandoned villages and farms. But Giono begins his story with this paragraph. For a human character to reveal truly exceptional qualities, one must have the good fortune to be able to observe its performance over many years. If this performance is devoid of all egoism, if its guiding motive is unparalleled generosity, if it is absolutely certain that there is no thought of recompense and that, in addition, it has left its visible mark upon the earth, then there can be no mistake. This tale serves, I believe, as a parable for us as Christians. One of the things we can take away from it is that we don't need to be a spiritual botanist, say a preacher, teacher, or elder, um, or scholar, uh, to do this. All we need to have is a humble, willing spirit. And it illustrates the importance of sowing the seed. We must sow the seed. Jesus alludes to this in John, the 12th chapter, verse 24. He says, Verily, very, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if we plant the seed, brothers and sisters, it will grow and produce many more seeds. Keep that in mind. You see, the seed is a metaphor for the word of God. It is uh, used in Mark, the fourth chapter, three times in three different parables. The first is the parable of the sower. The next is the parable of the growing seed. And then finally, the parable of the mustard seed, each one describing the kingdom of heaven as this seed. I'd like for us to pay special attention to Mark, the fourth chapter, verses 26 through 29, the parable of the growing seed, especially the characters in this story. Because remember, a parable is what? A earthly story with a heavenly meaning, exactly. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So let's look at these verses together. He said, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. 
He scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. He does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Already earlier in chapter 4, in the parable of the sower, Jesus has explained the uh, seed as being the word of God. And I think for our purposes today, the farmer represents Christians. We're to be sowing the seed. We're to scatter that seed wherever we go. And the seed contains within itself the power to grow, given the right conditions that Jesus outlined earlier in the parable of the sower, as he described the different soils the seed fell upon. But listen again to verse 28. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Now, I have here today with me a mason jar, and I have three lima bean seeds that I stole from Linda. Uh, we're going to be planting these in our own garden, but you know she won't miss three. Oh, oh I'm sorry, I didn't tell her. Oh. Cat's out of the bag, oh well. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting, you, you, you plant this, and I'm going to plant two of these here. And uh, I'm going to cover up with a little soil, and after service I'm going to go get a little water, and I'm going to cover that in, and I'm going to go set it out in the lobby, and all I'm going to do is keep an eye on it, I'm going to water it, and over the next several weeks, let's just keep an eye on it as a congregation and see what happens, see, see how it grows. Um, because that's the mystery of the seed. I love the picture that I, I selected for this, how it shows the seed starting <laughs> in the ground and then everything that goes on under the ground before it ever comes up, the roots coming out, and then finally it begins to produce and grow. It is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's how God's word is when we plant it in the hearts of men and women. It is growing. It is doing things. It has the power within itself to bring forth a harvest. It brings the increase, but we need to be ready. We need to be ready when that harvest comes. Now, that's a preview to next week's sermon, so come back next week and we're going to talk about the harvest but to bring in a harvest, what do you have to do? You have to sow the seed. You have to plant the seed. We have to be about that. And for some reason, this is not as self-evident as you would think it is to Christians. When Christian author Beth Moore and her husband Keith spent some time in war-torn Angola in Africa, they went there to draw attention to the tens of thousands of malnourished people and they were changed forever there. She says, I learned something in one of the rural villages that will mark my teaching and response to the word of God, Beth says. As we stood there, trying to absorb the sights and smells of living death that were all around us, our new friend, Isaac Pretorius, said, one of the most frustrating things is that in the villages where they received the seed, they often eat the seed rather than planting it and bringing forth a harvest. A 
couldn't get that statement out of my head, Moore said. Suddenly, I had the answer to the question I most ask, often asked God. Why do some people see the results of the word and others don't? She continues, why, must, why have many of us read books on forgiving people, known the teachings were true and right, cried over them, marked them up with highlighters, yet remain in our bitterness? It's because we ate the seed instead of sowing it. Now, what would have happened instead of sowing those two seeds in that jar? What happened if I had eaten it? You know, lima beans are hard when they're not, you know, cooked. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but what would have happened? Would I have gotten a harvest? No, I would have gotten a snack at most. But if I had planted that seed, and we will, believe me, lima beans produce really nice. Just a few row, not, short row of lima beans, you get a lot of lima beans out of that. And you know, there's a spiritual application here that we need to keep in mind. Because too often Christians come to the word and they consume the word, but they don't spread the seed. They don't spread the seed out. You know, if we come every Sunday to the Lord's table, if we feast upon his word, and yet we fail to share the good news with others, we get a spiritual snack. And not the meal that we need to flourish. The only way we're going to get the meal is if we continue to sow the seed and bring in the harvest. And by the way, I'm not just talking about leading people to Christ. There are other spiritual blessings that are part of the blessings we get in the kingdom of heaven. There's so many blessings that the word will bring to us, but in order for us to receive it, we have to share the word with others. We have to Sow the seed. James teaches in James, the third chapter, verses 17 and 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The Old Testament prophet Hosea warns Israel that they sow the wind. That if they sow the wind, they will reap the whirlwind. Hosea 8, verse 7. Instead, he advises them to, in chapter 10, verse 12, sow righteousness for yourselves and reap the fruit of his unfailing love. Funny story that I found uh, from a woman that lives in uh, Redford, Michigan, actually. Her name was Fran. When Fran was doing the dishes one morning, she began to fume and stew over the disturbing reappearance of her life, uh, in her life, of a friend who had become an alcoholic. She thought, why should I pray for that no-gooder? At that moment, as she was doing her dishes, a potted fern that was hanging over the sink came crashing down on her head, cracking the clay and spilling the dirt all over the sink. After carefully counting to ten, she shook the dirt off, and she said, okay, Lord, I'll forgive. Thanks for planting the idea in my head. <laughs> you know, hopefully we won't need that direct a method to get the idea of what resurrected living is all about. Do you want to be loved? 
Love others. Do you want to be forgiven? Forgive others. Do you want to understand God's will? Then share what you know with others. Do you want to understand and enjoy the salvation you have in Christ? Then share the good news with those who haven't heard. As resurrection people, we need to be busy sowing the seed of the kingdom because that is the last command our Lord gives before he returns to the Father. In Acts, the first chapter, verse 8, just before his ascension to heaven, the resurrected Lord tells his disciples, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Days later, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples put this into practice. God's kingdom is unleashed through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But then what did they do? They began to preach the word of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. But not only that, as you continue reading through Acts 2, you learn that they fed the hungry, cared for the needy. They forgave one another. They loved one another. Last week I noted that we will always be a slave to something. We will always have a master. And that our decision is, who are we going to be enslaved to? Are we going to be enslaved to sin, or are we going to be enslaved to Jesus? We have a similar decision to make about sowing the seed. We are all going to sow seeds. But are we going to sow seeds that will produce righteousness, or are we going to sow seeds of destruction? That's the question we have to answer. But we are all going to sow seeds. As Truett Cathy wrote, if you wish to enrich days, plant flowers. If you wish to enrich years, plant trees. If you wish to enrich eternity, plant ideals in the lives of others. And the greatest ideal you can plant is the good news of Jesus Christ. Only he has the power to grow in our hearts and transform our lives for good and for eternity. And this is just what the Lord wants to do for each one of you here this morning. Christians, have you been eating the seed instead of sowing it? I want to encourage you to stop that. And instead, live by faith in our risen Lord and begin planting it into the lives, or planting him into the lives of others. And in the process of doing that, you're going to discover more spiritual nourishment than you know what to do with. Matter of fact, it's going to be so great that you're just going to have to spread it out even more, because you can't possibly consume it all. Elziard Bouffier transformed a wasteland through his persistence and dedication, one acorn at a time. This is how we transform the world for Christ, brothers and sisters, one heart at a time. Into whose life are you going to plant the word of God? I want you right now to think of someone. Think of someone, not someones, someone. And then for the next week, pray about that person. Pray to the Lord to offer you the opportunity to share the word, to plant the seed with that person. 
you will be amazed what the Lord can do. He will open your eyes to see the opportunities that he has already provided for you. Jesus said, the fields are ripe unto harvest. What is needed is harvesters to reap what the Lord has already provided for us. He will open our eyes. He will see the opportunities to plant the seed, as we'll learn next week, to harvest that seed when the time is right. But if we will plant, if we will freely scatter the word of God out, it will produce. It will produce a crop that will grow and multiply 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Brothers and sisters, freely you have received. Freely give.